0: This is the Data Privacy Detective. We're going to talk again about ransomware, front-page news, organizations under attack by criminal gangs, businesses, government. And today, we're going to talk about what's it like to negotiate with them. We're going to talk to somebody who has done just that, Bill Rapaski. Bill is a, an attorney with Frost Brown Todd. It's a law firm with over 500 attorneys and. 15 different US cities. Bill, good morning and thanks for joining us today. Well, very pleased to speak to
1: you and your audience today, Joe.
0: Now, Bill, you come from a a banking background as an attorney dealing with uh, banking operations, compliance and litigation, but today you're really focusing your practice on electronic banking operations, cryptocurrency regulation and ransomware. So let me ask you first. I know you've dealt with these uh, criminal elements that uh, criminal, it's really a business, isn't it? That uh, ransomware is. You've dealt with these people. Is it legal
1: to deal with these people? Joe, the answer is that it is legal to pay a ransom to a threat actor in exchange for the decryption key that allows you to gain access to your computer system. But while it's legal, it's complicated. Well,
0: it sure is. You know, and, uh, thank you for, uh, uh, let, let's just start at the very beginning. When you get involved, uh, how is contact made with the attacker? And, and what is
1: it that you do separate from the people at the company? Help us understand well, this. Well, it all begins when someone at your client's business shows up on Monday morning or Sunday and sees a ransom note, a README file on their site. And then the question begins, what, do, what does that person do? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they and what read does the, the note say usually? Give me a
0: call on the phone? Or, you know,
1: what happens next? <laughs> it says your system's locked. Please communicate with us to purchase the decryption key. Essentially, you're locked. I You're love it until when you solve this but how do you how do you make contact
0: is it done differently with different people what are they I'm sure they try to stay somewhat disguised maybe i wrong. tell tell us how that yeah. actually works
1: they invite the reader of that file to communicate with them on a tor browser site which is a uh, a highly confidential almost dark web mechanism for comm- sending communications and If your client does that, he will learn or she will learn a couple things. One is that they're confirming the fact that they've been attacked. They're often telling on that first communication the dollar amount that they're demanding. And it starts a countdown timer to create a sense of urgency in the negotiations.
0: Well the company's in panic or the government, whatever it is it's been attacked and then do you does the company do you really know who the attackers are where they live uh, or is it
1: is that all discussed? well, it's very important at the first instance to learn as quickly as you can the malware variant there's about nineteen different malwares being used for decryption software, so you want to know the malware variant as quickly as possible that's often shown on the uh, the attack note or when you communicate with the um, attacker because that will tell you a lot about the character of the individuals behind the tech. Okay.
0: Well, let's take a real one. And again, don't use client names or anything, but let's just call it the company. Give, give us a real example. So so this has happened. You know, the, the company contacts you. Bill, we need your help. And and,
1: and what happens? Okay. Well, the first thing you do is you want to find out how much time is on the clock, the countdown timer, if the customer has, or the client has already contacted and it gain as much information. One of the things we always do. And I, in all negotiations is we open up the discussions and obtain more time, the countdown timers, an artificial means to create a sense of urgency in most instances, all instances in which I've been familiar with the uh, the threat actors will give you more time as you begin the negotiation process.
0: Okay, and uh, of course the company's in a in a big rush itself. It wants to get its system back and be able to do business or, or operate. Right. So so and then, and then what's what's a negotiation like? Take us through a story that uh, without
1: using client names. Okay. Well, the first thing you want to do is try to determine the reputation of the threat actor. Will these guys honor their promises you're negotiating with a criminal Joe, Um, if you pay them money, are you going to get a decryption key that works. And also what you need to understand as quickly as possible in your analysis is whether data has been exfiltrated from your site, that is a major variable. This is real important.
0: Let's come back to the data exfiltration. But how do you know you're dealing with somebody who might actually, uh, you know, let you get your data back in your system operating? System?
1: That's why people who are experienced in this area have obtained an understanding of the reputation of the threat actor. Do these folks follow through on their promises? For instance, if they promise to delete the data that they've exfiltrated are they going to keep their promise or will it one day show up on the dark web you know folks who are experienced negotiators can share with the client yeah these guys have a good reputation or no they don't similarly joe we can also share with the client whether the decryption key actually works if you're willing to pay for it okay so you 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 generate uh, i'll call it credibility
0: that the criminal might actually uh, release the kidnap uh, mm-hmm. Uh, situ- uh, circumstance, which in this case not a person; it's 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 the data and it's the data flow and it's uh, the freeze that they put on on the operating system. And then what happened? I mean, can you negotiate the amount? Uh, what you know? What else do you talk about? We're going to talk about data exfiltration later. But what else do you talk about to to get a ransom and an agreed amount?
1: Well, there are a number of different variables. But one of the first things I want to determine is. I wanna obtain evidence from the threat actor and through my own file forensics that in fact they have exfiltrated data. So I will ask for a uh, files folder uh, report to prove that the threat actor actually has my data hostage. Mm -hmm. And Joe, this is important because ransomware 101 was just lock up your system and you couldn't read it and you couldn't use it. But if you had good backups, you could restore. But now with generation 2.0 ransomware, even if you have good backups, but if the bad guy, the threat actor, now has your hot, your data, your mm-hmm. customer information, confidential information, you know, information about your employees, social securities, et cetera, then unlocking your system still means the data is stolen and might be sold and used on the dark web again. You might you. have to pay a
0: second time, is what you're saying, or you might get your system back. But the data is all over the world, and then you got a real, uh,
1: real right. And still a may to, serious problem. You still may have to negotiate. In other words, even if you have good backups.
0: So what do you work out? Do you, do you work? <laughs> let's, let's say that uh, some amount has been agreed. Uh, they're ready to do it. Uh, they've exfiltrated data. They have some control over it. So what do you do? Uh, get get a nice, clean, signed uh, legal agreement that's enforceable uh, in your hometown. I mean, what do you what, what do you do? How
1: do you handle this? Okay. Well, Joe, <laughs> the the first interesting part is this is really a different type of business negotiation than anything we've ever seen before. Yeah. Because yeah. the bad guys have been in your system so long, they know all about Joe Daner. They know how much money he made, whether he has cyber insurance, what his revenue streams are, and so you're negotiating the price for the decryption key, and as soon as you say, I can't afford that, they'll come back to you, well, these are your financials from your last quarter. You can't afford it, or your cyber insurance policy limits are this. You can afford it, So, but it is a price negotiation.
0: Okay, and you, and of course, uh, cyber insurance or ransomware insurance is there. I know there are problems, a uh, different discussion we might have. But I, yes. I assume you get the insurance company involved because they would have to, uh,
1: what, approve the amount to be paid? Is that right? If you have cyber insurance and it provides for this type of coverage, you really need to bring in the insurance company Right after you call your attorney. immediately, okay. Yeah. So it's a
0: team uh, thinking about this and deciding on what to do. But how do you get to agreement that I hate to say is enforceable, but is real? How, how okay. do you how do you get there?
1: Well, again, it's a price negotiation all along. We're unfolding certain steps. Prove to us what data you have prove to us what we call proof of life in the negotiations, that your decryption key really works because different threat actors, depending upon the malware variant they use, may not be able to decrypt the data. Some malware variants have terrible reputations for decryption tools, but we want you to prove proof of life that you really Mm. have the decryption key. Then you ultimately back and forth, back and forth until you get to a price. Once that price is agreed to, we then work with the client to pay money to the uh, the threat actor through cryptocurrency. They interesting Joe. They the current cryptocurrency of choice is Bitcoin. It used to be Monero, mm-hmm. but now the the one we just resolved last week was done with a Bitcoin uh, payment. Uh, Other ones have been with Monero, but you pay cryptocurrency.
0: And let me just ask, when you you use, uh, in this case, Bitcoin, as you're mentioning, uh, how do you know it's going to the people you're talking with? Uh, You're talking about cryptocurrency. But uh, they they confirm receipt of payment. Is that how it works? Or what
1: happens? They share a wallet address, which is electronic uh, file to which the cryptocurrency will be deposited, that is the wallet address that you're going to run your OFAC check against. And vitally important. Now, let's
0: talk about that. OFAC is is the Office of Foreign Assets Control and the Treasury Department. That's because we don't want people paying uh, terrorist uh, gangs. It's illegal to do that. So you you run, this is important. You you run a, that's what you're
1: calling the OFAC check. Well, vitally important to do that because I told you earlier that it was legal, but it's unlawful to make a payment to an entity that appears on the OFAC guidance. You know, right. yep. in October of last year, they released some very confusing information, but if you parse through it carefully, you you can still see that it's legal. But this is one thing you absolutely have to get right you've got to use skilled Become people cr- on your team that's right under no, u.s to, law to do the yeah. OFAC check because it's a strict liability standard okay so you've, you've run the check and
0: they are bad yep. people but they're not on the OFAC list and so now right. you're ready to close and so what's the closing like the payments made to, through bitcoin Correct. and
1: uh, what happens then the decryption tool is provided once the decryption tool hits your you know are sure you sandbox it to make sure it's not carrying any you know clever little traps or might have things. its own malware so you check <laughs> that out okay all right then we run the decryption tool and generally once we wouldn't negotiate unless we thought the threat actor had a good decryption tool right, right. um but they typically do work now i will share with you joe they very infamous colonial pipeline case. Yeah. Colonial Pipeline says they paid money and the decryption tool did not work. That's kind of crazy. We would wa- we would be demanding proof of life before we let the client pay money. But so far our uh, due diligence has paid off and always the decryption tools work and in, you know, let's say 2 to 1 to 2 to 3 business days your systems are generally up and running. They may be a mess sometimes you're you're generally back in business.
0: Yeah, and just generally had a different conversation, we can have another time, Bill, but uh, once the system is, I'll say operating again, I'll say you have your data back. Uh, what else does a company probably need to do?
1: Oh, you, you want to make sure that you close all the doors. The bad guys get in somehow. You want to have the forensic team figure out the method of intrusion, close those doors. Joe, it's a fact of life that Over 60 to 70% of people who were attacked by ransomware once are attacked a second time. That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. You want to make sure that all the doors are closed, your systems are hardened, because the bad guys are going to share information saying, hey, Joe Daner's company has vulnerabilities and he pays. Um, Figure a new way to attack him a second time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, different subjects really get re- minimize risk uh, as best you can going forward, which we all should be doing anyway. But let me ask you one last question, Bill, for this fascinating uh, topic: What what's the future of ransomware? Is this uh, just a pandemic that'll be over next year? Or, you know, wait, wait, wait,
1: how do you see it? I'm not optimistic, Joe. It is exploding right now, and you have so much money flowing into the ransomware system. It, there's only so many Lamborghinis the bad guys can buy. <laughs> what they're doing is they're taking their money and they're investing it in new ventures to create more lethal and more pervasive ransomware variants. I think this is here for a while, um, and I'm concerned. Modern organized crime. Yeah, and they're they have got a lot of money to invest in what they're doing, and they're making so much money that it's doesn't look very promising for us. Well, Bill, thank you for taking us on a tour of this very
0: dark side. Uh, I guess the only optimism I have is that you can deal with it. Uh, because if, uh, if, if payments uh, don't lead to anything, people are going to stop making. Them. And so there's a kind of odd uh, balance here between uh, payments and and the the criminals saying they're going that they'll do what they're saying they're going to do that's about the only optimism i i hear in this uh, would you agree
1: <laughs> yes it, in a sense it is a business negotiation if the threat actor has a reputation for not doing as they promised then Joe Daner and Bill Rupaski are not likely to negotiate with them so they do have that incentive Very interesting.
0: Well, Bill, thanks so much. And I'll remind uh, my listeners, as I always do, protecting your personal data begins with you. Bill, thanks very much. Have a good day. Thank you, sir.